You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. The scripture we're reading today is from John 17:12 to 19. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you in these things. I speak in the world that they may have, that they may have my f- joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Sam. Let's pray. And I'm going to move relatively quickly through this passage, but uh, let's spend some time reflecting on it. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, now by your spirit, we do pray that you would speak to us, your church. We acknowledge that the grass withers, the flower fades, but your word stands forever. And we pray now that your word would build us up, that we might be people built up by your truth, by your word, ready to serve you in this world that you've put before us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin maybe with a thought experiment. I wonder what uh, we could learn about one another if somehow we were able to have uh, someone follow us around and document everything we pray for. My guess is, even if you're in here and you're not a believer, there's still times where you cry out to God in frustration or in fear. And I wonder what your biography would look like, what recurring prayers would show up in your life, what situations would evoke prayer out of you. You definitely would know something about each individual's personality and about their priorities based on what you find them praying for. Well, as I stated, we have the longest prayer recorded of Jesus here in John chapter 17. It's often called the High Priestly Prayer. And the reason we've been kind of slowly walking through it, and we'll walk through it again next week, is this prayer actually shows us, just like your prayers show us, something of the priorities of Jesus. And also, as Jesus offers this prayer to his Father, the priorities of God the Father right now. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, what is he praying for? Especially in verses kind of 11b, the second half of verse 11 down to 19. And what, what priorities does this show us that Jesus has and that God has? And there's three that I just want to very briefly draw your attention to in hopes that you would understand this passage better. It seems as though Jesus is saying that right now, uh, the, his prayers, which become God's priorities, are that God the Father would secure a people, that he would sanctify this people, and that these people would be sent out well. Security, securing, sanctifying, and sent out. I hope you see something of this outline coming out of the passage. And the first part of the prayer that we're looking at, Jesus addresses his Father as Holy Father, and he prays that, that God the Father would secure his people. Jesus is people. This starts in verse 11 and 12 where he says, keep them in your name. And in verse 15, he reiterates this point. He says, keep them from the evil one. Now, what is Jesus praying for? He says in verse 12, he says, I kept them in your name while I was with them. But his point now is that he is going away and he is offering a prayer to the Father saying, I can no longer walk side by side with these, these uh, disciples. Father, keep them in your name. He's praying not just for the disciples that are in his presence, as we're going to learn next week in verse 20. He's praying for anyone who would follow after Jesus subsequent to these disciples, that they would be secured, that they would, they would uh, be bound by the good name of God. Jesus knows that his followers are powerless, especially as it relates to the power of Satan, who comes like a roaring lion. They know that the evil one could so easily dominate and overwhelm. And he prays to his father that his father, by his father's power, he would secure them. He calls upon God's very name, his character, his reputation, that this would be for them a wall of defense as they traverse through the difficult world, a world that hates them in the days to come. Now, what does this mean for us today? Well, it means this, and I'm, I'm being very, very brief and terse, but I could make the point in a much longer way, but I want you to think about it. It means that there's a certain measure of certainty to the salvation of the believer. If Jesus offers this prayer to the Father, keep them in your name, the Father is going to hear this prayer, and he will certainly, certainly answer it. What this means is the Christian life isn't just about white-knuckling it, trying your hardest to believe, wondering if you will make it to the end, wondering if you will have enough faith to not fall away. If you are in Christ... The all-knowing, the all-powerful, the gracious, the good God who sovereignly watches over all of world history, he is at work to keep you because Jesus asked him to. He's at work to secure you because this is Jesus' prayer for you if you are Jesus' child. Jesus' mission was to bring a salvation into this world. And he is now praying, Lord, secure your people in that salvation. Very briefly, what this means is you ought not waste a moment, a moment of your Christian life wondering if you have what it takes to really be a Christian to your last day. The answer is you don't. But Jesus prays for you. And he says, Father, by your name, by your reputation, by your character, secure these my people. He's now at the right hand offering that prayer for you. He prays for your security, but he also prays that you would be sanctified. It's a weird and archaic word, but you see it in verse 17. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. 
What does sanctify mean? Well, in some senses, it means to be made holy, but this has been convoluted in our mind with all kinds of uh, images of, of people who have zero fun, you know, who are killjoys. They hardly talk. They mope around, you know, low energy, but they exude some sort of uh, image of holiness, at least according to our culture. But to be sanctified, at least in, in the biblical sense of the word, is to be set apart. Obviously, when you're set apart for God's service, there is a measure of holiness to you. But we sanctify things all day long. We have a sanctified spoon in the sugar, right? There's one spoon for the sugar that you put into your tea or coffee. And you don't use that, that, sugar, that spoon to stir because then it can't go back in the sugar. It's been set apart, sanctified, belonging to the sugar. And what Jesus is praying is that his people would be sanctified, that they would be set apart for the purposes God has them, that they would have a distinct focus. Now, again, this idea of holiness is not so much in vogue in our world right now. It's not trendy even amongst Christian circles to to form holiness clubs. There was a time in church history where this was important, and people would do things like this. Right now, we hear holiness, and we think kind of legalist or maybe killjoy. And what we often think of when we think of holiness is just avoiding sin. The holiest person is the person who sins the least. And there's some senses in which that might be true, but there's also some senses in which that is misleading. Uh, One of the ways to think about what being sanctified means is to think about maybe an athlete, or since I always use illustrations of an athlete, think think of a musician who so desperately wants to be first chair in the symphony for her or his instrument. What do they have to do? Their life has to have an incredible, incredible focus. Do they have a life outside of music? Well, in some senses, they might have a friend or two, but all of their other uh, uh, adventures in life are subservient to playing their instrument, playing scales, making sure they know the pieces that they are about to perform, making sure they're growing in their skills, making sure they're learning from the masters. Everything that they do, their recreation, uh, their travels, even where they live, all these things come under the priority of making first chair of this instrument. I hope this makes sense. Sports illustrations come easier for me, but I hope you understand my point. What Jesus is praying for you and for me is more like this uh, person trying to make first chair than it is avoiding sin. It's that all of our priorities and all of our focus, all of our recreation, all, all that we do with our free time, all that we do with our family, even where we live, all these things would be set apart as someone who is uh, diligently and, and like a laser focus dedicated to the cause of the kingdom of Jesus. This is what Jesus is praying, that we would, all of our life, would be put under the one overarching priority, which is obeying, loving, and serving our God. This isn't just avoiding sin. If we wanted to do that, we would pull away from the world. But Jesus makes very clear here, we're to stay in the world. Whatever holiness means, it's not just purely behavior modification. It's a radical and intense focus of obeying and living out your loyalty to our God in a world that is hostile to this. We even say, it even says in here that the the first believers were hated, just like we might be today. So what is Jesus praying for? He's praying for your security right now in your salvation. He's also praying for that you would be consecrated, that you would be secure. He says in verse 19 that he, 
And there's a play on Greek words, or the Greek words are one and the same here. It's unfortunate in this translation. For our sake, he consecrated himself that we might be consecrated in the truth. This is the same Greek word going back and forth here. His point is this, that in your security, he's saying that his laser focus was to bring about the glory of his Father by bringing salvation to you. That was his overarching priority, and nothing could stand in the way of it. And in the same way he does that, he is now praying that our overarching focus would be people of the truth, obeying, serving, loving, following the truth in this hostile world. So what is Jesus praying for? He's praying for the security of his people. He's praying for the set-apartness or the sanctifying of his people. And finally, and again, I'm going to be brief. I could talk at length about this, and I'll probably pick it up again next week a bit. But he's praying right now to the Father that his Father might be properly sending out people. And we see this most clearly in verse 18 where Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, Jesus is saying the Father sent him into the world, he has now sent his disciples into the world. He's saying that there's some kind of correspondence between the assignment that he received from the Father that he completed and the assignment he now gives to his believers that are sent into the world to do. And again, this isn't just his first disciples. In verse 20, he's saying, I'm not just praying for them also, but for those who eventually will believe. There's some correspondence between Jesus' mission and the mission that we find ourselves in. What Jesus is praying for right now is that the Lord, that we would properly understand our sentness. Now, there's sort of two sides of the ditches the Christian community could fall in, and we, you know, some of them are modeled in some communities better than others. This knowing that this posture of being sent out from the Father, there's one side which we might say tries to uh, stay away from the world, is afraid of the world. We might call it uh, this fortification. They want to stay separate and removed from the world. And this, this community of believers is good in the sense that they acknowledge the, the seductive and attractive nature of the ways of this world, the ways in which they will pull us away from our loyalty to Jesus. But this fortifying community forgets that we are sent to be in the world. We're to love the world the same way Jesus loved the world. We are not meant to abstain from the world. As a side note, some of the most sort of angry atheists and also some of the most um, irreverent uh, sort of pop culture stars like, say, Katy Perry, often grew up in these cultures who hear uh, this calling from God that we're sent into the world, but we're to be in the world and not of the world, and they completely build, you know, sort of fortification around their children. These people, when they leave that fortification world, they often become uh, some of the most sacrilege people that you can find. They often rebel so aggressively. That's one side of the ditch we could fall on, but the other side, which is maybe more easy for some of us, is to so readily blend in with the world. We're in the world and we're of the world. We might call this accommodation. Our city's filled with individualistic, materialistic, hedonistic people, and we do the same. We just go to church on Sunday and we pray before we drink too much, you know. Uh, we accommodate to the ways of this world and just tag on our Christian faith. And there's something good about this because Jesus did tell us to be in the world, to, to, to know and to love the world and to be, to, that we're to live out this holiness in the world. But the problem is we're not to participate just in the world as it currently is, but we're also as a community called to bear witness to the world as it one day will be. And this is why Jesus in heaven right now is praying that you and I would understand that we are sent from the Father. We are sent into this world, this time and place, this city with a mission. We're to be present but different. 
We're to be involved in the life of this city, but we're to bear witness to a world that is to come. What Jesus is praying right now, and I'm trying to to make this short but clear, is this. He's praying that you, wherever you are, would know that whatever is on your calendar to do, Monday through Saturday, even this afternoon, that the people that you're going to bump into, that you would know that you are sent with a purpose and a calling to these people in a similar way that Jesus was sent into the world with a purpose and calling to bring salvation to you. He is praying right now that you would understand your sentness, that you wouldn't be seduced by the ways of the world, but that you also wouldn't avoid the world, that you would be in the world, but not of the world. And that you would understand this calling with the people that you recreate with, with the neighbors that you interact with, with your coworkers. That you would understand this calling with the art you engage with. You would understand this calling in the ways in which you interact with God's world. That there is a measure and degree of sentness that he is giving to you. And our, right now, our Lord Jesus is praying for your security. He's praying for your sanctification. That you would understand your set-apartness. But he's also praying that you would understand this holy calling that you are sent into this world to be in this world and not of this world. This is Jesus' prayer for you. And if Jesus obeyed his Father, even to the point of giving up his life on the cross, dying for your sins and mine, obeyed his Father as his body was buried in a grave, and if the Father was so pleased with the way Jesus lived his life that he resurrected him from the grave and said, death has no power over this man, let me assure you, whatever prayers from our elder brother and Savior Jesus, rise to the ears of our Heavenly Father. They are heard, and they are always answered. This is how he's praying for you even now. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your Son into this world to be for us a Savior, but that also that you resurrected him bodily, and that his body even now is in heaven, and his vocal folds are moving and offering prayers even now for us, for our security and our salvation, that we would understand our set-apartness and that we would understand our sentness. Father, if our church could just understand this, we would be such a tremendous blessing to this part of the city. Our influence uh, for the sake of your kingdom would multiply. This is such a struggle. Grant to us great wisdom and help us to walk this week knowing that your son Jesus is praying for us right now this way. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.